So this week, it's time to give back on the Ortho Show. As you know, we always bring amazing guests from all around the world. But today, we pivoted a little bit. We wanted to be able to give back to our listeners. We brought on Christy Owenby, who's the CEO of Moxie Company, which is a marketing company for physicians and healthcare organizations. And we spend a real deep dive on, on social media in particular and how it can uh, en- enhance your practice, uh, develop the types of patients that you want, really talk about the messaging and branding as a physician that you're looking to do. When should you start? Is it ever too late? Is it ever too early? Uh, and really great strategies across all of the platforms of social media. So this is a give back episode. Really happy that we were able to have Christy on. Uh, she's a, a nationally recognized leader in healthcare marketing. It was a pleasure having her on. I know you're going to like it. Hashtag follow the fro. This episode of the Ortho Show podcast is brought to you by ModMed. Envisioning a world where the orthopedic software we build increases practice success and improves patient outcomes. ModMed offers an intelligent ortho-specific cloud platform of healthcare IT solutions that help surgeons and staff save time, drive efficiency, and elevate patient experiences. To learn more and see a demo of the number one EHR system, EMMA, as well as practice management, revenue cycle management, analytics, patient engagement tools, and more, Visit modmed.com slash orthopod. That's modmed.com slash orthopod. Modmed. It's about time. For medical media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where everybody knows we bring you the best and the best in the orthopedic space. We're going to pivot a little bit today and we're going to give back to our orthopedic surgeon listeners out there as well as uh, orthopedic companies that are out there as well, because we have Christy Owenby on, who's the CEO of Moxie Company, who is a a marketing company for physicians and healthcare organizations. And we thought this would be a great opportunity to sort of talk about how you brand, how you message for doctors, as well as healthcare organizations, med the best medical device reps and all that good stuff. So Christy, it is a pleasure to have you on. It is a pleasure to be here. We actually originally met, gosh, like a year and a half ago when Dr. Goodman um, in Alabama was doing his Doc Talk Live show. And I was like, oh, we're going to find some really cool docs to be on the show. And I reached out to you via Instagram DM. And was like, let's get let's get you on the Doc Talk Live show. So that's how we originally met. We've stayed in touch, and it's just been really cool to see the um, the growth of your show and either you know and Ortho Laser. So it's been very cool, and I am honored to be on the show because I am not a physician, and I know typically you only have physicians, but I'll just say that today I'll just be um, a doc marketing. No, that's fantastic. We're really thrilled to have you on. I mean, that's what's awesome about about LinkedIn and social media. You make these connections with people and then and you really develop real relationships. It's not like, you know, it's a one off type thing. You see somebody, but you really you get deep and then you get to know people and then and then your network increases. And then when you need something, you get to know people. So it's, it's really been great. So so first, you're you're a New Orleans girl, born and bred. Is that where you're from originally? Bread. Yeah, yep. 
I was Born just down there. In New Orleans. I love it. I was just down with my youngest son, Jade. We did a college Tulane. tour. We were down at Tulane. We had we had some oysters down at Mambo's, and then yep. uh, we went to the boiled seafood. And fortunately, I didn't get gout yet, but I think I ate everything that I was supposed <laughs> to to get it. But so far, yes. so good. And uh, I think Tulane's well, in the running for sure. Yeah, well, it's really cool. So Tulane, we manage, Moxie manages um, many departments at Tulane, their, their marketing. And a cool thing about social media and a not so cool thing is like, I knew where you were. Like when you put it on social media, I was like, hey, you're in New Orleans, what are you doing? So you have to remember that there's a lot of transparency involved. So it's good to share things. It's also sometimes like you have to have a little reservation, step away from the keyboard type of thing. But it's great that you can use this platform to connect with people, even that you have never met in person. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Completely agree. During COVID, I really feel like a lot of healthcare, you know, HCPs and even medical device companies scrambled a little bit as to like, how do we still reach people? And COVID was an opportunity for a lot of light bulbs to go off. Like, okay, wait a second. We have to get on board here and do this. This is where, you know, we're going to find and reach people. And then conferences started back up again. And it was really cool because everybody had these relationships in the digital space. And then when everybody started going back to conferences, we're like, oh my God, hello. It's like you, like reality, like you get to hug these people and, you know, shake their hands of people that you've been communicating with in this virtual world. So it's very cool. Yeah. I mean, I think traditional marketing is just dead in the water. I mean, even if you take a look at uh, these large society meetings, I mean, there were 3000 orthopedic surgeons at the Academy this past, you know, a couple of months ago. I mean, you know, there's literally usually 10 or 12,000. So, and even Anna, the Anna meeting coming up is supposed to have a a low turnout. So, you know, the idea of just sort of getting on a mailing list and going like old school marketing, those days are done. Yep. I mean, you got to have a plan. You got to have a digital plan. How are you plan. putting this into action? I mean, hybrid's fine. I mean, you can definitely still get some FaceTime and, and, and such. But if you don't have a digital plan, you're, you know, you're going to have an issue, whether you're, you're going to have an business, issue as an entrepreneur or even as a, as a physician. I mean, let's, let's talk with the docs. I mean, let's start off with the doctors, right? Because, you know, I'm an old man, I'm an old fro. And, and literally, you know, we were never told that you could advertise or talk about yourself. It was taboo. It was like, right. you know, of course, we didn't have mediums like we do nowadays, right? Back in the right. day when I was in training, you know, what, what was it? I mean, basically, you could do magazines, you could do newspaper, billboards, you know, the, the church or whatever, you know, things like that. But you really didn't have a place to be able to really talk about yourself and your messaging and your branding. And now the world, you know, is so small with our smartphones and tablets and all the things that we do. It's every day that we're all connected to the internet and how, and how we live and breathe and and become part of this larger organism, if you will. So, so, you know, so for doctors, is it okay? Is it okay at this point now to start, you know, branding and messaging and trying to figure out what your patients want and how you reach out to them? So when I started doing this, oh gosh, I would say, you know, close to 10 years now back, I started looking at what, what do I love and what, what, cause I love to solve a problem. What is the problem and let's solve it. And I was like, nobody is telling their story on social media and healthcare. It's this old adage of primetime TV. You get a 30 second commercial. It's a lot, it's very expensive. It's got half of its disclaimers across it. Um, or billboards. And then then the billboards look salesy. And I'm like, okay, what is nobody doing? And I found that the Mayo Clinic, it doesn't have any more, but the Mayo Clinic had a program called the Social Media 
certification program and where you actually flew to Arizona and you spent a day long deep dive with their marketing team. So I was like, I'm in. Flew to Arizona, spent a whole day with them. You have to present before the board. They they call it a residency and a fellowship. So they tried to make it very similar to what physicians go through so that we could speak your language. And once I did that, I was like, this is it. This is the golden ticket. We need to get physicians to tell their story and educate patients on social media. There's 4.62 million people every day that use social media. So when I started talking to my older physicians who were like, Facebook, why do I need to be on Facebook and Instagram? Instagram's for kids. It was getting them to understand that for two, close to two hours and 30 minutes every day, one person is on social media that long. That's a lot of attention where that's where we begin to develop, okay, what kind of practice do you want to have? Do you want to have a practice where it's specific on shoulders, hips, spine, cervical, lumbar? Are you the knee guy? If your audience is on Instagram, social media, Facebook for two hours and 30 minutes, it's your platform to educate your patients. So that's where we started. And then the Mayo Clinic right before COVID called and they were like, okay, we see you're doing something really different. Can you come up here and speak to us at our annual conference about social media? And it was shocking to me how many hospital administrator marketing departments were there and they didn't have a clue about the effectiveness and the cost effectiveness of social media, where they're spending thousands of dollars on billboards and commercials and print ads and locking themselves in contracts that was not converting to new patients or elevating their brand. It's not always about getting patients in the door. It's about elevating your brand. So I say, yes, 100%. You don't have to be the cheesy guy on the airline magazine no. that's in there that's, you know, from Beverly Hills or some other place in this like, you know, $3,000 suit. But, you know, it's become just part of our society. It's just mm-hmm. it's just who we are. I mean, watching Elon Musk and, and purchasing Twitter, we'll get in. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I mean, for me in particular, you know, if doctors aren't sort of messaging to their patients. And, and there's a lot of ways you do it, right? You can develop mm-hmm. your own message. It could be, yeah. I want to educate my patients. Um, I want to educate them. I'm going to use this social media tool to teach them about what an ACL is or what a rotator cuff is or, or what to experience you know, with surgery and how you're going to get through it. It could be that you, know, you want your patients to know that you're a national figure in what you yes. do and you're staying a part of the state of the, you know, state of the art of medicine. And so you can develop that message into whatever it is that you want, but I think it's important to be able to do so. And so, so just, so go through this, you know, for me, I'm sorry, I know you got a, you got a bunch of stuff that we need to get out to our, to our sure. listeners, but when, when do you start? And, and if you're old, you know, can you still start? I mean, so, cause we got listeners from all different ages here. So, so talk to us. So I say, if you have a desire to go to med school, this, well, you probably already have social media as a, as a, as a youngster, the second you get into med school, you need to be able to, you need to think about your professional career because what goes on social media stays on social media. So I say the second you get into med school, you start talking about your story. Let's share your story. And the difference between posting a Google ad and sharing your story on social media is a Google ad is stagnant. It's one thing that goes up there. It's one shot at getting someone's attention, but it doesn't tell a story. It's a call to action. 
call now for an appointment, you know, those type of things. You need a second opinion. But social media allows people to buy into your story. It's authentic for the most part. It should be real. Um, And that's what I tell anybody I talk to that's in med school or in their residence. I'm like, claim your domain URL and claim all your professional handles, Dr. So-and-so, whatever you want to be. So start telling your story. There's a lot of med students that have thousands of followers on Instagram because they tell their story. And then the kids in undergrad who are trying to get into med school are following them. Those people are capturing an audience that once they get into practice, they can then take their social media following and start running some very targeted ads on social media about what type of practice they want to run, what type of practice they want to see dermatology, cardiology, orthopedics, whatever that is. Now, when they get out and we know residents and fellows don't make a lot of money, we know that social media is a very cost-effective way to start getting exposure. So then we say, okay, you want to be the kyphoplasty guy? You want to be the knee guy? Let's just talk about kyphoplasty. Okay, we know we can go look and see what the reimbursement rates are for kyphoplasty. We know who typically needs kyphoplasty females with osteoporosis. So let's look at your zip code and start targeting around it on, this is a procedure you love to do. So let's go find the patients that make them want to call and go, I know that guy, I trust that guy. See, he talks about compression fractures a lot. He talks about this and that. And I, I, I think that's the doc I want to go see. So those are the kind of things that I say, start early and start telling your story. That, that's that's really early. So for the listeners out there that don't know, kyphoplasty is an operation for compression fractures in the back. You stick a little balloon in, you put a little cement in, and it can really help to, to really help these patients that have severe pain from these compression fractures. So you're, you're like, these are babies and, you know, they're, they're really young and, and they're getting involved and getting started early. But what about what about the older guys that are, you know, sort of been in practice for a while? They're not really sure about this whole social media thing. They're watching their kids do it. And then they're like, you know, can I do this thing? Am I too old? And how do I get started? What's your advice for them? So I'm going to save this soundbite after and I'm going to send it to Dr. Jeff Canner at Canner Spine, because about four and a half years ago, we started working with Canner Spine. And Dr. Kanner was the guy, the older guy that said, I don't need to do this. It's just Facebook. Like, what are you doing? Just posting on Facebook. It's like this black hole. Like he was a bit of a naysayer. And I'm like, just trust me. And I want you to understand this. When you, when a patient walks in and you tell them they have cervical stenosis, half the population doesn't even know what what stenosis means. They're just like, what? I have to have surgery. I have to have a fusion. Wait, there's ultrasonic technology. And I'm like, I need you to educate your patients. Think about social media as educating your patients. It's not about just posting fun pictures of you and your dog or kids. So I said, I want you to make me a video on what is cervical stenosis first. And then we're going to talk about how to treat it. So he made a video and we posted it on all all of his platforms, but we posted it on YouTube. And today it has three point. 3 million views, over like 3,000 comments, and people travel from all over the world because of this one video. So it was an opportunity for him to see, wait, this is not only effective, but it's cost effective and it pays for itself. So I know I can go look at his 
I can go look at not just his, but other procedures because guys like Canner and, and other physicians, medical directors, hospital administrators, they want to know that what they're doing actually works. Is it generating revenue or is it generating patients or does it pay for itself? The marketing that we do, you're going to be positive on your P&L. You should never be upside down in marketing. So that's where we build programs like, okay, what do you get paid? What is the, what is, and yes, we want to do procedures that are good for people ultimately. But as a physician, I need to know and build a program that's going to pay for itself and more. So if I spend $20,000 a year on YouTube advertising, how fast or when do you make that $20,000 and then the rest of the year is when, yeah. So if you can do a procedure that generates revenue for your practice that can make $10,000, we do two, you get two of those procedures off of one social media ad, the rest of the year is paid for. So for the older guys and some young guys who are very like, you know, financially conservative, we have to break it down to dollars. We have to break it down to the CPT code, the reimbursement code, and the ROI of the social media campaign. And that's when we get people to buy into it. All right. So so let's let, let's sort of break it down a little bit because, again, I'm a simple guy and I, I like to sort of get an understanding of, of, of what's going on. So YouTube, we'll, let's keep YouTube off to the side for a second because I think okay. that requires – a lot of energy, especially if you're going to be making, you know, high-end videos or whatnot, but we can talk about that. But, but let's talk about each one of the social media platforms and how you typically advise your clients on, on how it's best to be used. So let's just start with good old fashioned Facebook where it started, you know, how is Facebook utilized in your local market, trying to generate business or message to your patients? So Facebook is where your patients are going to find you. It's, Typically, 45 and up use Facebook. It's very cost effective. So we want to post content and share content, I say, every day. It's very noisy, so you you have to be consistent. You want to share content that resonates with a patient as to why they would come see you. They need to say, oh, wait, that's me. Do you have low back pain? Does your knee hurt? Do you suffer with migraines? Do you need a second opinion? for a cancer diagnosis. So Facebook is where your patients are going to find you. And then when you run ads on Facebook, you can get very specific on location, age, and then the actual, like they took away audience targeting. So you have to get a little more strategic on how to, where to place the ad so someone finds you. But for example, a plastic surgeon who wants to build a breast reconstructive practice. We're not going to promote those, this, the paid content to, you know, a younger generation. We're going to predominantly put it like women 35 and older um, and, and just kind of look for their interest. So those are, that's what Facebook is. Facebook is strictly where your patients are going to find you. All right. So you're basically communicating in your local area, in the zip codes around you where, for where patients are going to be able to come and get to your office and see you. So now let's, yes. you know, talk Instagram. For Instagram, I think of like the younger, hipper crowd. You know, you're going to have people from all over, all over the world, perhaps, that may be following you and seeing what's mm-hmm. going on and looking for your, for your counsel. So how does the Instagram, how does that help you in your clinical practice as far as your brand, your messaging, get, getting patients, return on investment? Etc. 
So what's different about Instagram than Facebook is if you're scrolling through Facebook, the caption is first and then the picture. On Instagram, it's flipped. The picture's first and the caption second. So the focus has to be on the creative content on Instagram. Um, that you have literally like three to five seconds to, to grab someone's attention. You want them to stop and hold a picture. On stories at the top, the little circles at the top, you want people to stop. You want people to engage in the content because then it readjusts their algorithm and lets Instagram know, okay, wait, Susie Smith is interested in this content. You want to put information and content that is creative and also engaging. So on stories, ask questions, do polls, um, do reels with super cool trending music. Those are the kind of things that, and I, I really believe that Instagram is both. It's patience and in your space, physician to physician. It is a lot of FOMO, honestly. Like who's doing what, who's where, what are they tagging? What conference are they speaking at? Who's getting trained in new procedures? So I see Facebook and Instagram is like a meld of like Facebook and LinkedIn. It's like a place where, you know, the serious part of LinkedIn gets to come over and have a little fun. And the Facebook gets to come over and it will be a little bit more creative. So that's what I see. Um, Instagram as it's it's a place as you know and like even with Corey I mean he does an amazing job at being a being creative on Instagram so it's just a, a, an opportunity to educate followers on what you're doing and the expertise that you specialize in in a creative way uh, that, that beautiful explanation that was really I think the flip thing in particular really stuck and resonated with me there on the imaging versus the content um but yeah, I do think that there's crossover there, right? If you have a good Instagram following and, and they're owned by the same company, so you could take it, you could, you know, toggle back and forth to be able to do so. But right. you can still gather patients locally from your Instagram stories and the things that you're doing, because I think there's a, an age demographic where there's an intersection there as well. Uh, but yeah, you know, my kids are also on Insta, but even they now, they've moved over to TikTok, which is even, you know, crazier. There's a even smaller select right. group of, of physicians that have, have moved to TikTok for, for engagement. Um, I still have not cracked that code, although we've done a few. We've had some fun and we do a little bit here and there, uh, but I still have a hard time sort of figuring out how that fits into my clinical practice for my brand. Perhaps you may have more understanding. So what, what would you say to our listeners about TikTok? I would say, okay, so I think TikTok is time consuming. So I think if you have the time to create content that can be like, you know, cross-promoted um, original content, then I then I say go for it. Or if you have a team that can be creative, but TikTok is definitely takes time. I think it's more of a um, brand elevating platform than a you're going to get patients from it. Now, if you're a pediatric physician, orthopedic physician, a hundred percent think you need to be a TikTok. Because when the mom says to, you know, Joe, hey, your ankle's been hurting a lot from soccer. I think we need to go see Dr. So-and-so. If that doctor's on TikTok and in your area, they're immediately going to be like, oh, absolutely, I'm going. So I think <laughs> yeah. if you're in pediatrics. It's a very young demographic, for sure. 
and you get you get locked up in there you get stuck in the tiktok world where you know like two hours later you're like oh my god i can't believe i've been watching you look up and you're like vision's blurry but you can't see exactly so so one of the things that what we hear routinely on the ortho show from the doctors that are engaged in social media is for for the most part they're really integrally involved in their own messaging on social media Mm -hmm. You know, you can always tell if I'm looking and I see some bogus ad from from a doc on the West Coast, for example, who clearly didn't have any communication to the person who put it together. And then, of course, there's three likes and like nobody's even looking at it because it's so obvious that he wasn't. So so how do you involve your physicians and make sure that their messages is really integrally involved in what you're doing for them or with them, I should say? So I think with any marketing partner that anyone hires, you have to learn your client. You have to learn how they speak. You have to learn what their philosophy and practice is. You have to learn the companies they work with, um, the type of how they communicate. Like a lot of our physicians will actually go shadow with them for a day and like hang out with them. Because if I don't know how that person speaks, then I can't, sh- I can't sh- share their story appropriately. Speaking could be the messaging part of it. Like Dr. Ashley Bailey Clayson in um, Fort Worth is amazing. Her family is very, very dear to her. She's got a horse farm. And I'm like, with her, I'm like, send me as much real content as you can. When you're out with your dad, you know, riding horses, send me that kind of content. So I have to tell her story as if it's her telling it. It can't be just doesn't feel like her. And we know that social media is is a response feeling, like the emotional thing. That's why Nike, I mean, like you see these Nike commercials and you get like goosebumps. So social media has to genuinely represent who you are and you have to hire a marketing partner or brand agency that can learn you and learn, you know, the passion behind what you do in your practice and even your personal life and how to integrate them. Yeah, no, I think that that's great advice. And so- you know, let's just sort of walk down one more big one. I'm, 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 yep. We could talk about Twitter, but, I, you know, Twitter is a, is a funky place, man. I'll tell I'm you. I'm not crazy about Twitter. Yeah. I, I, I've gotten off Twitter. I, I tried. Me too. Uh, and, uh, and literally, you know, the opioid zealots that are out there, these, these poor people that, are, you know, are stuck on medication for the rest of their lives. And they feel like people like myself are trying to take their opioids away. And, and then they just just a very small group, they then take over the message. And so I actually just completely dropped off Twitter. I just found mm-hmm. it very difficult to manage. But but I think LinkedIn is obviously one of the huge other, you know, venues that, that we, we have a, a, a lot of time that we spend. And it drives me a little bonkers too, when I sometimes see like, you know, these local orthopedic groups, for example, they're focusing more like a Facebook post and putting it onto LinkedIn where you really, LinkedIn is, I get a sense that it's more of a, it's a business relationship zone place to mm-hmm. have relationships and develop your, your message and elevate your game, if you will, you know, at a national or regional level. But how do you, how do you talk to your clients about how LinkedIn should be utilized? So here's my concern with LinkedIn recently over the past year. I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn's like the new, LinkedIn is like the new business Facebook. But my problem is that some physicians, and I'm only going to just say physicians right now because that's the space that I live in, have become like keyboard warriors in the sense that they want to voice some negative opinions on other physicians' content 
whether they think the procedure was called for, whether the imagery is right, whether the implant should have been placed differently, whether you shouldn't be doing that procedure. And I feel like this is not Twitter. Like if you want to go be nasty, just go somewhere else and be nasty, but we're not going to elevate the space and we're not going to build each other up by, by defaming and trashing physicians on LinkedIn. I think that healthcare right now, especially post COVID during and post COVID, we have a, a very pessimistic, you know, people don't trust it. And when we have physicians arguing like high school kids on LinkedIn, it concerns me. So, and in the world of transparency, when you have the Sunshine Act and the CMS things, and you know, it's very easy to find out what other people are doing and who's a pay-to-play doctor. I, I'm I cautious people on LinkedIn. I'm like, you need to be very careful before you start commenting on someone, another physician's post as to whether they should be doing that procedure. I'm like, if you have an opinion, take it to the DMs or pick up the phone and call them. So that's my concern with LinkedIn right now. I love LinkedIn to build business relationships, but I think that it's, you know, it's, it can be a little bit wild, wild west lately, which is concerning. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. And, and you know, there, those people exist everywhere and it doesn't matter whether they're physicians or, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> there's just some, there's just some negative people on the planet. Yes. The, the people, the things that I admire the most on LinkedIn in particular uh, is the messaging for the people that are creating the posts. Right. Mm-hmm. So the people that take the time and the energy to to either whether it's educate patients or talk about a new procedure or comment on healthcare and uh, revenue cycle management or whatever yeah. it is that's that's a you know akin to my world, um, you know there there are people that are really smart and they have incredible yeah. ideas and it's fun to engage with them and be a part and then it sort of really helps to elevate your game. But yeah, well, all boats rise together. Like yeah. let's all help each other. Yeah, and, 100%, 100%. and I think. I think, you know, in med school, they don't really teach you a lot of this business development stuff. And I think LinkedIn is a great place to share that added value. Like, hey, guys, if you're 40 and you're burnt out, you want to be a a doctor, like there's opportunity out there. Follow the people that are innovating the space, that are doing entrepreneurial things. And so I think LinkedIn is great for that. Like if you're a physician and you have a challenge in your practice and you've figured out the, the golden ticket to how to get past it, whether it's reimbursements, physician efficient appeals, talk about it. Like give someone added value and share that content in there, whether it's in long form or short form, whatever it is, let's just try and positively impact the space. Yeah. It's a, it's a great breeding ground for the ortho show, right? Cause we can find oh, and identify that's how we met and, you know, a lot of our friends and family that we met along the way. And so it, it's great to, to, to identify that as well. So let, let's let's talk about one other thing that I think sometimes gets a little little dicey, um, and, and like your your advice and counsel on this as well. So, you know, I don't need to have my own independent marketing because my group practice has a website, and they, you know, they help to sort of market what's going on for our group. Do I need, as an individual physician, to have my own website? And should I be individually branding or should I just go along with what everybody else is doing in the practice? So that again goes to what your long-term goals are. If you're a physician who is okay with letting the independent, the, the practice marketing department handle it and you're, and that's what you want. You want to work eight to five, see patients. You have no interest in speaking on podiums, writing publications or elevating your, 
your professional brand, then you can let your and let your practice marketing, you know, department handle it. If you're a physician who wants to be a little courageous and step outside of the box, then yes, you need your own, unless you want to do it yourself, you need your own marketing partner. Um, and I think that there's a lot of big practices that have 12, 14, 16, 20 physicians that the younger guys just are like a number, a number. Like they don't even know how to clean their Google My Business, like their actual map listing on Google. Like, what is that? What do you mean? And they're depending on a practice marketing department that has to handle that for many physicians to give them the special attention. And so I think that if growing your social media presence as a physician, a person, and for your practice is important, then I, and you don't have like a, you know, like I say, like a Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, whole floor, people doing it. You're going to have to hire someone that is going to take the time to grow your presence, your messaging and your practice. Yeah, no, I I think that's great advice. I I think that, uh, you know, let's take even for myself, for example, I I use the term critical mass. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm a critical mass. I show up on Monday and there's 70 patients waiting to see me and I've got 15 patients on the OR schedule, but yet for me, it's still very important because I want to find, I want the patients to come to me that want me. Like I want every single time I walk into the room, it's a near shoulder left and right. And that patient found me to be able to care for them. So that way that's half the battle. Well, all yep. right, you, you, you're confident in me. That's why you came to see me now. Let's talk about your problem and let's come up with a personalized solution for you on how we get you better. And there may be four sports medicine guys in that group of, of 20. There may be three spine surgeons in your practice mm-hmm. as well. And so the question is, how, how do you develop a practice? How do you generate the business? And I think that individually working on your brand and your messaging and, and have your own website and develop a website, yep. but have it linked to the group website. That's okay. Right? You know, and then, if the, and then if there are sort of group events that are happening, you stay a part of that too. You want to be a part of the more traditional marketing, right? Because as a general right. rule, the large groups are doing more of the traditional marketing. It's the, with the peri- periodicals and the newspapers right. and stuff like that. So well, and you have to you think, know, definitely if, agree on that. If you have 15 physicians in the practice and let's say the department, the marketing department posts twice a day, you may get one post every now and then. So if you want to grow your own individual referral base from social media, you gotta be posting every day. So you may have a really cool marketing department, but there's not enough time and space to get it. You'd have to post 15 times a day for every position. So I just think it's a very important um, investment to make in your own messaging and your own branding. Yeah, no, I think that's great. So I'm sitting here thinking and sort of summing up some of the real important points that that we've been through, you know, today. First and foremost, you can't start too early. I really love that no, message. Medical students, the residents, you know, they're already developing that following and then they move into their practice. And I think that's really great messaging. I love the story of the older physician who does a video on YouTube and has a gazillion followers and now mm-hmm. has people coming in from all over. So you're never too old to start in your marketing uh, program as well. Also, I mean, I love the idea how you you differentiated on the different platforms of social media as to how they can be utilized. Um, And then 
most importantly, make sure it's the message of the individual physician and like yeah. be loud and clear. If you're going to do it on your own, do it on your own. That's fine. There are people out there that can do it on their own. But if right. you feel like you want the help and you're looking for the investment, identify someone like 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 yourself, Christy, that you can then really get into their brain, figure it out yeah. what it is that they want to say. And then when you're talking for them and including them, the message is loud and clear. So I think that's great as well. So, I mean, we're, we're coming to a close and, and I know we could talk forever. We could go, we're going to, we'll have you back on again. Cause I know that you've got so much information that you could give out, but I think if you could just sum it up for our listeners, you know, what, what do you think, you know, so it's, it's clear that you, you're a huge believer in social media, yes. but you know, in short, tell us how you, you really feel like, you know, what's the process, how do you get started? And if you're not, if you're ready to make that plunge right now, how would you get started and make this happen? Yeah, I mean, I, the bottom line is social media has changed the way physicians and healthcare um, communicates with communities and patients. And I think that the way to get started is just to start. I think if you're comfortable with Instagram, start on Instagram. If you're comfortable with Facebook, start there. If LinkedIn, you feel comfortable there, do it and then do it better. And every day, make it intentional. How I'm going to reach someone with a messaging about the type of physician I am, the type of practice I have, the philosophy that I believe in, in healthcare, and how I am the best, the expert in innovating the space. And it's just starting. It's putting content out there. And I say, I tell all my physicians, I'm like, when you click post on a social media platform, it's like you knocking on the door when you see a patient for the first time. You walk in and you say, good morning, Mrs. Smith. I'm here, I understand you have knee pain. That engagement is just like when you put a picture up and you click post. It's an opportunity for someone to see you and engage with you. So it's start, start now and, and uh, intentionally make time to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's just wonderfully sound advice. And we've had some great guests on the Ortho Show who are very early on in their careers who have gone through that pathway and are incredibly busy at a time in their practice where most wouldn't even consider it for at least another decade. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Christy, this is fantastic. We really appreciate you taking the time and energy to come here. Oh, and love to be on. Loved it. We're really Great happy to be, be able to educate our listeners and provide them, you know, counsel and, and ideas as they move forwards. Christy, tell everybody where we can find you. So if they want to reach out to you, how they can get to you. Absolutely. You can go to Moxie Company. It's M-O-X-Y companies.com. Um, you can email me at Christy at MoxieCompany.com. We're on, of course, all the social media platforms, um, I believe, except Twitter, which we got rid of also. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, we'd, we'd love to hear from um, anyone who wants to you know start this process or even elevate their presence. No, that's fantastic. I mean, this is what we do with the Ortho Show. We bring you amazing guests. Uh, with tremendous amount of information in our orthopedic space. It's been a pleasure having you on, Christy. Thank this you. is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time. <laughs>